So there's this passage I got memorized. So it fits this occasion. Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. It's, oh, there we go. What is up, everybody? Uh, my name is Jake, and welcome to another episode of The Rotten Pea. I'm here with some of my best friends. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. And I am also Zach. <laughs> Two Zachs this week. Yeah. One, uh, one is spelled Z-A-C-K. One is spelled Z-A-X. Uh-huh. Oh, I I'm thought Zach. one was spelled <laughs> S-C-O-T-T. <laughs> that doesn't sound right at all. Hmm. The C uh, is silent. Oh. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> well, uh, I'm excited. We're doing, uh, we're doing Pulp Fiction today. Yeah. Uh, I was told there wasn't enough dialogue in my previous movie, so I thought I would make up for it. Oh, yeah. With I, a very heavy dialogue. I appreciate yeah. it actually yeah. a lot. Yeah, there was, there was more talking. <laughs> there was talking in the intro we did. Yeah. I it, didn't think yeah. I could get there. <laughs> <laughs> you know. There was talking for more than 10 minutes in the movie. And it wasn't dubbed. <laughs> and it wasn't dubbed. But uh, you know what? I'm the only one that's nominating IMDb Top 10 Movies. I would like to say. That is true. You know what? You're not wrong. I've hit two of them. But that's just because we've seen all the rest of the IMDb Top Movies. There's still a few on there. That you haven't seen? I think there's some I haven't seen, but I've only okay. nominated ones I've seen. You're right. I don't sure. think I've seen like The Godfather 2. That's on there, right? I haven't yeah. seen either of The Godfathers. Well, there are three, so. Any of The Godfathers. <laughs> <laughs> either you of The Godfathers. Just The Godfather 3. <laughs> so I hear. Oh, man. Well, uh, I'm glad you picked this one, Jake. Uh, why, uh, why, like, what, what was your big... Uh... I mean, I love, I, this is one of my favorites. I, it's, Super entertaining. I, I only watched it for the first time a few years ago because I don't think I was allowed to watch it until I was in that college. Yeah. Um, I think we saw in a little bit of trivia here that the F word is used about 265 times. Yeah. I'm surprised that, uh, I'm surprised that you're, uh, you were allowed to watch this movie at any point. Even yeah. after you moved out. Right. Yeah. I think my mom's still not happy about it. <laughs> Does she know? Tina, if you're watching this episode, we apologize for subjecting your son into this. Tina, yeah. if you're watching this episode, uh, that's creepy because we're not video recording it. So. Oh, that's true. Also, it was his <laughs> selection. So we're not sorry. Jake, sorry. <laughs> She's no. watching us right now. Oh, we're she has cameras sitting on the in, couch. Yeah. She has cameras in the apartment. Right? We're at her house. Oh, we're in her house. This yeah. is in my place. That's right. I always forget where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. It's a problem I have. Well, hey, uh, a little just the facts about this movie. Uh, this was written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, released. Who's that? Uh, <laughs> we've done, uh, we've done, this is our second movie that we've done of his, correct? No, first. No, first. Oh, it's our first. Okay. Mm. Um, I think you're seeing the future. 
Well, no, I, I just thought that we had... No, you're like uh, the aliens in Arrival. You just see all of time at the same time. Oh, Didn't yeah. see that movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. <just> Spoilers. <laughs> Jeez. Let's just check that one off of our list. <laughs> if you haven't seen Arrival... Uh, you guys haven't seen Arrival? No, no I didn't get around to it. But I've heard great things. Yeah, I thought it was probably going to be pretty good, you know? That's one kinda, day. I feel like that's on you. It's I, terrific. I thought it was going to come up You'll here. You'll have to take our word for it. I'm not watching it now. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like I've seen it, so I can't nominate it anymore. I thought you make a point to watch all of Jeremy Renner's movies. I, you know what? I should. Yeah. <laughs> Ever really since really he should. came out with that song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And listen to all of his albums. Mm-hmm. Outlaw? Is that the Jeremy Renner song? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Outlaw. Okay. He Nomad. wrote it for it Arrival, but they scrapped it, so he just yeah. kept it for his album. By the way, Jeremy Renner, if you're listening to this, we are making fun of you. <laughs> We'd love to have you on the show, though. Everyone knows that Jeremy Renner has zero sense of irony, so he has to be told when he's being <laughs> yeah. made fun of. Yeah, they had to he do it He still thinks that Hawkeye throughout. was the best Avenger. I don't know what you guys are talking about. He's my favorite musician. <laughs> oh, yeah. I loved him in that Jeep commercial. <laughs> he was in a Jeep commercial? Yeah, they played Nomad. Oh, nice. Did they really? I think so. <laughs> he was going to a concert. <laughs> you, that, th- you said it so imp- like uh, authoritative. I, I, I now told you a single name of question. any of his songs. <laughs> <laughs> he just called it. Yeah, like, yeah, dude, he's playing No Man. We only know because of JRVP. Yeah. Rest Shout in peace. Junior Vice President. I don't, you didn't do I it. I don't think we can do that. Uh, yeah, I think oh, we sorry. have to edit we'll that, have to that out contractually. <laughs> I don't think they'll care. Uh, or anyone will hear that. <laughs> so uh, this was released October 14th, 1994. Uh, this is pretty crazy. Uh, it has an estimated budget of between seven and nine million dollars. They don't know. Well, for the most part, <laughs> most budgets are estimated. Like, the, oh, okay. like budgets aren't. It, it's, it's not, not like, something that like the producers send out. No, no, no. Got it's it. it's not like public information necessarily. Sometimes it is. Sometimes okay. studios release that, but sometimes they don't. Um, it was supposed to be even lower, but then they brought Bruce Willis on. I think a little later. Oh. <laughs> So he wasn't he wasn't initially going to be in the movie. No, I guess not. Okay. I feel like uh Quentin Tarantino does a lot of shifting on the fly. Yeah, but it also seems like he writes a lot of parts for a lot of people. When I was looking through trivia for this, it was like Mia Wallace was written for uh, Uma Thurman and yeah. Samuel Jackson was written for Jules and every single person I feel like. Yeah. He definitely does that a lot. He has he has pet actors that he really likes and Wait, who's the real character, Samuel Jackson or Jules Winfield? I'm not positive. Because you said Samuel Jackson was written for Jules. And yeah. now I'm thinking that's why Samuel Jackson is it, himself in all those movies. It's because this whole time he's been playing a character. He's just been playing a character. Tarantino, and his real name is Jules Winfield. Tarantino <laughs> went to Samuel Jackson or Jules Winfield mom when he was born. And she was like, he was like, just make him. Mm. <laughs> make him for my movie. Got him. it. It's yeah. like uh, Samuel from the Bible. And that's why Jules Winfield is always quoting scripture. Okay. He did All it right. once. This is getting <laughs> weird. This that was, yeah. uh, he did it once and he didn't do a great job. Y- you, you, you made it weird, Scott. I know. Uh, so like I said, this this movie had a budget of around seven, around $8 million, and, uh, but it did $213.9 million in box office. That might be better than Napoleon Dynamite's return on investment. I, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Our tots can uh, go back, do the math, and correct us if we're wrong because we're certainly not going to do it. Uh, A.K.A. Dan. <laughs> A.K.A. Dan, mm. our best friend. Uh, and we've decided today, uh, Dan, this is uh, the, the first you're going to hear of this, but uh, you are now uh, this podcast's uh, HR representative. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we need you to uh, draft some policies for us. Yep. We're not going to tell him until after this comes out. We also Correct. need you okay. to um, start receiving all of our emails. So go ahead and send an email to <laughs> dan at dan.com. <laughs> he got dan.com. He did. He did. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's why he's our HR. Cause he's just, he, he kills the game at everything. And Dan, I just, so you know, I'm going to need to set up a meeting with you. Cause I have some complaints about some of my coworkers. Yeah. I hope whoever owns dan.com sends us a ceased and desist letter. I don't think 30 emails is going to upset anybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie got, uh, the other guys gave it a 91% and uh, it got an 8.1 on IMDb. Uh, well, that seems a little bit low. For, that's, that's a top 10 movie and it's 8.1. IMDb is they modest don't in that they very, very like mid-range. They yeah. don't go high and they don't go that low. Well, it is modest when you consider that this one, uh, the... Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, but it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Lead Actor for John Travolta, Best Supporting Actor for Sam Jackson, Best Supporting Actress for Uma Thurman, uh, Best Director, and Best Editing. Wow. So it's interesting that John Travolta is the lead actor. I guess he's on it the most, Mm -hmm. which is not who I would have. I wouldn't have had even a guess at who the lead actor is. Yeah, I have no... If you would have said... If there was a test afterwards and you would have asked me who the lead actor was... One, I wouldn't have known any of the actors' names. You don't know any of the actors' names in this movie? Or the actors' like names with, like, not the actors' names, the but characters? the characters' names. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Sorry, I, words are hard. <laughs> words are hard. So there are four pretty huge names in this movie. Mm-hmm. Jules Winfield. Yeah, that's pretty big. <laughs> John Travolta. Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, yeah. He's probably the biggest actor. And uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Oh, and Christopher Walken is in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was my favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. Scott asked me, he, uh, as soon as that scene was over, he's like, is that the only time Christopher Walken's in this movie? And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That just reminds me of what I want to rank this later. Okay. Great. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, Jake, you already gave us a little bit of your your feedback, but do you have anything that you want to add? No. Yeah. As the nominator? Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I don't know if I actually got into it, but I was, I'm just super entertained every time I watch it. I've watched it a good amount. Not like Scott watching Armageddon amount of times, but like <laughs> maybe like eight or nine times in the okay. last few years. And every time I'm, I'm hooked from beginning to end. I think the first time I watched it, I sat down and I was like, I was really good. And then like three days later, I was like, I could watch that again. Yeah. And so I did. Yeah. It is one of those movies where I've seen this, uh, a handful of times and it is never not engaging for me. It's never not entertaining. I love it. Zach, you had seen this movie before as well, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. So our only late bloomer was Scott. Mm-hmm. So Zach, what, uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think of this movie? And what do you think kind of rewatching it this time? Um, I, this was maybe my least favorite time watching it. Um, I like Pulp Fiction. I've always liked Pulp Fiction and Tarantino's actually w- probably he's like top two favorite directors for me um and this is like very mid-tier tarantino for me Mm. uh i like it i don't love it so what is like what's your top tier tarantino inglorious bastards okay without a doubt that's my favorite probably like top five favorite movies i've ever seen really more than like i know how much you loved once but once upon a time in hollywood i did and i we can get into it a little bit later but i actually this is probably going to be a hot take but i actually feel like once upon a time in hollywood feels very similar to pulp fiction but i feel like once upon a time in hollywood is like that format done a little bit better more excellent 
in my opinion. Yeah, I agree that like when I was watching it, I was like, this feels like Pulp Fiction. I don't know if it does it better. Sure. Well, uh, Scott, you are a late bloomer. What did you think of this movie? Uh, not enough Brad Pitt. <laughs> That's why I all think once upon a time. There was hardly any Brad Pitt. <laughs> hardly any. Yeah. Almost zero. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I want to start uh, where this is becoming a segment. I want to know what you guys think I'm going to think about this. Movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm good with this being a yeah. segment. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you liked it. Okay. Zach? I think you enjoyed it, but thought it's overrated. That's, I would agree with Zach. Do you guys want to give like a number amount? No, no, that's not the, like the podcast. Yeah. No. Oh, no, 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 no. To like jump back to it. No, okay. nobody's going to remember okay. what we said at the beginning at the end. Yeah. These guys were pretty, pretty on it. I thought it was good. It was somewhat entertaining, um, but it's, it, it's definitely overhyped. I'm I'm almost I do kind of agree with you and that like I would never say this is now I know it this is IMDB so it's kind of an echo chamber but I wouldn't say this is like top 10 movies ever made and if this was like Quentin Tarantino's one hit wonder I would think it's a very impressive film that he has made but then he went on to make in my opinion better movies. amazing movies right and this just doesn't stack up to those in my personal opinion yeah i would agree uh i would agree with you scott i think that this movie um is i i guess it's it's great it has a lot of great moments and super iconic very memorable moments uh it's super entertaining but as it's it's not more than the sum of its parts Mm -hmm. yeah to me i love the beginning and I love the end. Yeah. And it drags in the middle. And it's really whenever Jules is not in the movie. I think that <laughs> Jules... He's for sure the best character. He's, yeah, he's he's the best character. Um, and whenever he's on screen, I'm like fixated on the screen. Uh, he's hilarious. He's just... He's great in it. Um, and I think that's why I prefer Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because Once Upon a... The, both these movies have really great dual leads Mm -hmm. um but in once upon a time in hollywood we're following at least one of them at all times and so we're always except for the scenes with sharon tate but those are pretty small um and this one we have a huge chunk of time where especially without jewels he's only in like half the movie yeah and then we have a a big chunk of movie where neither of them are in it yeah that's the part that drags i mean i i'm just not the biggest bruce willis fan but that part always loses me i just don't care yeah, I uh, I remember at one point uh, we're kind of bleeding into the play-by-play just a little bit, but I remember at one point when uh, we were watching it, Scott and I watched it together, and at one point um, he was asked, he was like, "Wait, what is the point of this whole Bruce Willis segment?" Yeah, uh, and I said, "Well, it sort of ties back to the beginning, and it kind of ties up at the end." But honestly, I could lose that whole part of the movie, that whole aspect of the movie, and Me too. and. I felt like it would be better, honestly. It might be better. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I do. I guess I agree. Like, I feel like the Bruce Willis sections are not my favorite part of the movie. I still enjoy it. Like, but maybe the reason I love it is you hit the great beginning and you hit the great end. So you come off, you're like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah. It's a little bit like a Walking Dead episode. (laughs) Maybe. Or like a Walking Dead season. (laughs) You're like, you have like five episodes of nothing. (laughs) Or like a Walking Dead series because it was like I think it was like <laughs> like solid first couple seasons and then a big drag and then I think it's getting a little better. 
Do you so, still watch it? I have been still watching it. Oh, I got, got talked about back into 10 it. minutes into the first episode. And <laughs> well, you guys, you, you heard it here. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, it's just The Walking Dead. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, that was a solid bit. <laughs> I thought. I think we should end it there. <laughs> yeah, just end the whole podcast. Just edit this yeah. part out. <laughs> That should be our tag. Pulp Fiction is just The Walking Dead. (laughs) I'm good with that. I'm going to incorporate that into the social media. Solid 16-minute podcast. (laughs) At first, I was like, you know, we're taking a long time before we get into it, but we're not going to get into it. We're not going to get into it, yeah. Uh, So uh, let's jump into uh, the play-by-play. Jake, do you think you can can take it away? Yeah. um, This, I think, is maybe my favorite movie opening. When we start with... um, Honey Bunny, Bunny and Pumpkin. Pumpkin, yeah. Uh, just talking in the coffee shop. And then it kind of like just immediately they jump into this, the robbery. And I, the, when I was watching, I was like, isn't this like a Samuel Jackson movie? Like I just kind of put me on my toes and like, I was like, okay, I don't, I feel like it set the tone of like anything's going to happen at any point. Oh yeah. Thing, which I feel like is a big part of this movie. Like getting into later, like somebody's head just gets blown off. Right. For no no reason, you know. Like, it's a great opening. I and I will say that the the feel, vibe, aesthetic, whatever you want to call it, of this movie is like top notch. The music is great. I love the 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 font that we see with Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, and it's a great opening. It really kind of brings you in. Yeah, but we see Honey Bunny and uh, Pumpkin, which is Tim Roth, and what's her name? I don't. I don't even know. No I've just got to say though. Uh, I I wanted to try and find a way to to jump in and say this, so I'm going to do it now. Tim Roth is probably my favorite actor to continue working with Quentin Tarantino. I love Tim. I Roth. love oh, Tim I Roth. Love him. He's great. Oh, he's so fantastic. And and this scene is like in my brain. This scene is quintessential Tim Roth. He and. Uh, when they were making the hateful eight, cause he's in the hateful eight as well. Yeah. His character was supposed to be played by Christoph Waltz. Mm. And I was so bummed when I heard that it wasn't going to be him. And it was going to be Tim Roth instead. Not that I was so bummed. It was going to be Tim Roth, but just cause I love Christoph Waltz. Sure. And he did such a great job. Oh yeah. Now I kind of like retroactively kind of try to picture Tim Roth in Django Unchained in Inglourious Bastards. I think he could have done just as good a job. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I definitely think he could have. Yeah, but I love, I, I love their exchange. They're just talking about how robbing convenience stores is, you know, not, not that good anymore. And I'm, st- I'm still hooked. It's not even that interesting <laughs> of a conversation. Uh, and then they decide right then and there that they're gonna rob this uh, diner. And then we don't see them again till the end of the movie. Yeah, hard cut away, and we come back to. Um, Samuel Jackson and John Travolta after the opening credits in there. I want, I just want to say, I think um, one of the reasons I love Tarantino probably more, I guess, as a writer, well, it would be uh, probably reflective of his directing skills as well, is that he can make his characters have the, like, what would be on paper the dullest conversation, and it's always entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I love that he does that often with a lot of his characters. And I feel like it really adds because now they feel like people. Because it's like, oh, they're just having a conversation they would have, and it's not necessarily even driving anything forward. But yeah, yeah. Like, we're just getting a little insight. And, and who knows? I don't know what, you know, diner robbers talk about, but it feels like what they would talk about. Yeah. <laughs> right. If Maybe I had to guess. Quentin Tarantino should redo The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. 
I wouldn't hate I it. I, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I, I'd be into that. I mean, I feel like he kind of does that a lot. Yeah. Uh, so all of like Quentin Tarantino is uh, one of the directors who is like most obviously influenced by spaghetti westerns. He loves them. He's obsessed with them. And all of his movies really pull in a lot of motifs from the spaghetti westerns, including Pulp Fiction. I mean, Pulp Fiction is essentially, uh, you know, a spaghetti western made in, uh, remade in L.A. in the 1990s. Uh, and so, I mean, I think he could do the good, the bad and the ugly. I think he'd love to redo the good, the bad and the ugly. I'll hold off my judgment for it then until I see it. <laughs> I want to throw something at Scott right now. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you do look like you're seething right now. Oh yeah. I have a good, the bad and the ugly poster on my wall over here. And I just looked at it and I tried to imagine that movie without Clint Eastwood. Can't do it. Well, here's the thing. I mean, uh, in this like hypothetical universe in which he gets to remake the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, he is such a fan of true spaghetti westerns that I, I think he would really do it justice. And he clones Clint and makes him young again? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. And he makes him record in a studio and dubs it still. All right, I'm in. Okay. <laughs> So uh, we, uh, as Jake said, we, we, we cut away and uh, we get introduced to uh, our two real main characters, uh, Jules and Vince. And uh, they are, you know, walking up to this, uh, this uh, apartment. And like you were kind of saying, Jake, they're just having these seemingly innocuous conversation. No, Jewel, or sorry, Vincent's just gotten back from Europe and he's just telling him about, you can buy a, a beer at a movie theater and they call a big, or a, a quarter pound or a Royale with cheese. Right. And that was apparently listed as one of the most quotable lines. Uh, it was like number 87 out of 100. <laughs> um, that line. Interesting. Royale with cheese. What, well, do they, it, what do they call a Big Mac? Big Mac's just a Big Mac. They call mm. it Love Big Mac. <laughs> hey, you quoted it perfectly. So Thank you. I guess IMDb was right. Uh, and uh, they, we hear uh, for the first time they're they're going. Uh, we we find out as they get into the uh, the apartment that they are uh, enforcers or goons for this mobster Marcellus Wallace. You know, it's funny. The first time I watched this, I, I didn't really know much about the movie. And I was like, are they cops? Like, are they detectives? And I was like, oh, no, they're definitely not <laughs> cops. <laughs> okay. Wait, they weren't? They might have been. <laughs> Truth be told, I didn't watch it. So uh, they uh, they uh, they get to the apartment and, you know, they've been having this conversation. And, and they, they get inside and, and we find out that they are uh, like goons or enforcers. Uh, for this gangster Marcellus Marcellus Wallace, and uh, they're they're coming to these guys. One in particular, uh, Brett. Yep. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, Brett. Right. It's either Brett or Brad. I really don't know. It sounded like both. It's Brett. Uh, and uh, they're they're trying to recover something that belongs to Marcellus Wallace. There's some they're somehow business associates, and it seems like these guys turned on them. But I'm that. W- I don't know how they did that or what they did or it seemed, it seemed to me like they got the briefcase somehow, like, like Marcellus maybe hired them to go get the briefcase and that they never delivered, mm-hmm. but they have a man on the inside, right? They, they jewels and Vince, you mean? Yes. Yeah. They're, they're talking. They don't exactly know how many people are going to go in. They're like talking. They're like three, maybe four. They're like, is that Kenton our guy? Maybe. So they don't have a lot of good Intel, but there's somebody in there. Yeah, not good intel, but some intel. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and they, I, I don't want to belabor uh, any part of this movie, but they end up killing Brett. <laughs> yeah, well, no, this is the best part of the movie, in my opinion. I like this is my favorite scene. Yeah, well, t- tell us a little bit about it then. Well, they come in and Samuel Jackson gives his like great like interrogation, which I, we didn't give all of it because it was long, but we heard the end of it here. My favorite is when he uh, he uh, tries the Kahuna burger. Oh, and he just eats the burger and he <laughs> drinks all, he's of like, his Sprite. all of the Sprite. What is this? And he said, Sprite, may I may I have some of your Sprite to wash down <laughs> this hamburger? And he, sure. looks, he just mad dogs him while he drinks his entire Sprite. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I love that. Or like, uh, he's, he's asking questions. I think that's my favorite part where, and then somebody else tries to answer and he turns around. And he's like, I don't remember asking you a thing. Cowering back in the corner. Um, and then they recover a briefcase and there's a the lot of funny thing about it. He's so nice to all of them. Up right. This point. right. And then one guy pipes in. <laughs> he I don't remember it. asking you a JD thing. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> That part, or actually, I, it gets in there somewhere. He flips over a table, and I guess Samuel L. Jackson just improvised that and didn't tell anybody he was going to do it. <laughs> but everybody stayed in, and they got it in one take. They just kept it, and I would have been scared. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Samuel absolutely. Samuel Jackson flipped over a table at me. I think I might have quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think they have a job that they get to actually quit, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, uh, they shoot Brett. Uh, and they shoot yeah, like uh, a, many times. A yeah. lot. I didn't a see lot. them shoot the other dude that was on the couch, but I guess he died too. They shot him. They yeah, shot they him. him. Yeah, they um, shoot him. He shot him once and then came up and shot him once more in the head. Yeah. He got shot twice. But he was just like laying on the couch while his friend was massacred. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone comes out of the bathroom. Well, With that's the, a little later. I in think the movie. that, yeah, I think that comes back. Because I think it's we cut back a, yeah. to this scene. Because oh. once again, out. we're doing a non-linear movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is your true. favorite thing, though, Zach, so. Yeah, it, it is. It really yeah. is, yeah. I think it actually adds a lot in this, probably because of what you guys were talking about earlier, that, like, we we don't have, like, we have this Bruce Willis bit that drags, but I think it would have been even worse if we didn't cut it up because then we would have had Jules and Vincent come in, Jules leave. And we know, never see him again. Never see him again. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, Vincent... Spoiler alert for the later in this podcast, Vincent gets killed and then we have Bruce Willis and that's how we end. Just Bruce Willis riding away on a, it would feel very unfinished. Yep. So that's, that's, I think like nonlinear, like I like it, but like, I think this is something that really adds a lot to it actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, they recovered this case that is a, a big speculation as to what's in it. It's just shiny and gold. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people think that it, might be Marcellus Wallace's soul. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Tarantino has said that it's not that, but it's still a big speculation as to what that is. Um, but we never see it. Tyler, you think it it is? His I soul, think it's his you? soul. I mean, Quentin. I, I I don't know. I haven't seen him explicitly say that it's not his soul, but um, he he has uh, like repeatedly said it's it's up to you. Like it, it's up to you what it is, uh, and. Uh, there are a lot of like, you know, some people think it's the uh, diamonds from Reservoir Dogs, um, you know, on and on and on. But kind of interestingly, it was uh, it was an accident. It was just some prop master decided to throw an orange light bulb in there. And that's what really spurred on a lot of like, what is it? What is it? What is it? 
Yeah, and everybody's reaction to it is like, is that what I think it is? Right. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like, yeah. what is it? Yeah, what so is it? So then you think that like this random diner robber would know what a soul looks like? Because he opens it later and says that. Yeah. Well, I think if if it really is a soul, obviously this is a bizarre world that sure. yeah, Where sure, maybe maybe you can see yeah, souls. Maybe you can see he's souls come across and, a couple. Yeah. Or yeah. or that there's some identifying thing that sure. makes it obvious that it's sure. like it's a soul. Um but uh but yeah, I, I do I believe that it's the soul of Marcellus Wallace. There's just a few little things like the six 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 combination on the briefcase. Um, and, and he, uh, Tarantino has said that the, that the, uh, bandaid on the back of Marcellus Wallace's That's head was, was yeah, about. he said that that has nothing to do with his soul, but, um, there is a lot of like lore that, uh, the soul is extracted from the back of the head at the, at the base of the spine and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and if it really isn't, if the bandaid is innocuous, I don't know why Quentin Tarantino spends so much time focused on the Band-Aid. That's what I was thinking. Like um, when I was rewatching it, I was like, well, we got a good shot of that band. We see the Band-Aid in the back of his head before we see his face. We see, I think we see more of the back of his head than we see of his face throughout Mm -hmm. the movie. That sounds about right. I was kind of thinking, actually, we were never going to get to see his face. I thought that was just going to be a thing. You thought he was just like an adult in an old cartoon? Mm-hmm. They would just show him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been a, a really interesting way to create mystique in a movie. Like, I don't think that would be a stupid idea. Like, I've, I think it probably would have been better if we never saw Marcellus Wallace's face. That's, I mean, I did. I had that same thought, too, um, when, we, when I was watching it. I was like, okay, back of his head, back of his head. And then we pan around. I was like, oh. Yeah. It's a little bit, it's a little bit less than what I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I just think that it's one of those things where, uh, like a great way to create like intimidation is to create mystery. And so to not see a character's face, the entire movie, especially someone who's like a gangster, I think would have the same impact of mystique as never seeing what's in the briefcase. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I think that we would have been, if we never saw, Marcellus Wallace's face, even though we know it's Ving Rhames and we know what Ving Rhames looks like, I think we'd be talking about today why we never see his face. Uh, so I don't know. I I think uh, I think that Tarantino makes a lot of really cool decisions uh, in this movie about leaving us guessing, leaving us wondering. Yeah, yeah, and I had something and I lost it. I'm sorry. That's okay. We we'll, can cut it. We'll just uh, we'll just move on. Uh, so uh, we. We get introduced then uh, to uh, Marcellus. The The boys enter into his club uh, dressed oddly. And real quick, when they're on their way to uh, Brett's apartment, um, Vince brings up that Marcellus wants him to take his wife, Marcellus's wife, Mia, out. Yeah. And they kind of have a big discussion about him going out on a date. And if it, or if it is a date, if it's not a date, and it's just Marcellus is going to be out of town, I think. And he just wants someone to keep me a company. Yeah, someone to entertain her. And so we cut to, they go to Marcellus's bar. And, and he's actually talking to Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. And he Bruce Willis is a boxer who he is getting to fix a fight. Yeah. He's going to have to go down, in, go down in the fifth. And he kind of walks out with a chip on his shoulder and has a weird altercation with um, Vincent. Yeah. Who later uh, talks about his car getting keyed. And apparently Tarantino has said that uh, Butch 
uh, who was Bruce Willis's character, was the one who keyed his car after that. Yeah, yeah. When he's uh, later, Vince is uh, getting drugs, and he and he talks to his drug dealer about his car getting keyed. Uh, but the but the boys walk into Vince and Jules walk into the bar dressed not how we saw them last. They're dressed in uh, gym shorts and uh, t-shirts, college t-shirts, college yeah. t-shirts. They look yeah, like a couple of dorks. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. That was good. Uh, and uh, so we we finally, like you said, we get to meet Marcellus and we get to see the kind of man that he is. Obviously, he is a you know man of ill repute. He's obviously some kind of gangster. He's fixing a boxing match. And, uh, and you know, obviously someone that you should be scared of. Like, I think that's what we're, we're learning about him so far. And I think we learned that a bit in the conversation uh, between uh, Jules and Vince, where they're saying, like, oh, he threw this guy out of a window because he gave his wife a foot massage. And, right. Like, he messed up his speech for the rest of his life and all this thing. So, like, even... Like right at the beginning, you're like, oh, I don't, I wouldn't want to work for him. <laughs> I just blanked on his name, Marcellus. Yeah, I, but uh, yeah, so they go from there, and I don't remember what Jules and Vince even do. That did they just drop off the case? They just drop off the yeah, case, drop it off. Yeah. But then we uh, we have uh, in classic Quentin Tarantino style, we have a fade to black and a, ta- a title card, which I love how he does that. Yeah, it's it's very unique to him. Uh, no one really does that anymore. It's mm-hmm. a very like old, uh, like it's a it's really a callback even to the old silent pictures. Um, which is when they would have like act one, act two, act three. And not only does he structure his movies that way, as a lot of people still do, but he, he brings the audience into that sort of like deeper level of, of the story. I could be wrong. Do they, did they do that in the good, the bad, the ugly? I feel like they did. Did they um, not? Like the, yes. the chapters? Yeah, yeah. They yeah. do, right? Yeah, well, yeah. because it's we have the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, well, they, right. they, they introduce the characters, but they don't do like these like chapter, oh, they don't chapter act like, breaks. Oh, got it. Never mind. But it was, it was really cool. Side note real quick. Um, I went to see the hateful eight. They Quinn did like a roadhouse. Um, or no, that's not the right term. No, he, he did a road show. Yeah. Where he like released it in a few select theaters, I think before it came out. And so me and a few buddies went to go watch it. But specifically he released it in these theaters in the film print. Yes, exactly. In yeah. the film print. In the 80 millimeter and it, film. It, it had a, um, its own overture. And whatnot, yeah. and then it had a. Um, I'm blanking on what it's called when when you intermission. Yes, intermission. it had an intermission. Yeah, and it was a really cool way to watch it. I yeah. thought it was really cool. Yeah, he's uh, Quentin has this unique way of making old old uh, historic storytelling in movies like relevant still today. Also, another side note: Have I told you guys that I've met Quentin Tarantino? What? No. Yeah. When? Uh, it was a few years ago. Um, my family and I, we were, we went to go see Spamalot, which was like the stage version of, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail Yeah, at the Hollywood Bowl. And he was there and he was with another woman and a younger woman. I'm assuming it was like his daughter. Mm. Um, and I just walked up and told him, I usually, if, if the few times I've seen celebrities, I usually don't want to go. 
sure. impose myself, but it was like, I'm such a huge fan. I just have to tell him. And so I went and introduced myself and told him I'm a huge fan and he was really friendly and we didn't have a conversation or anything. And I just walked away. That is, uh, you have a, uh, knack for meeting, uh, famous, meeting people. famous people at the Hollywood bowl. Yeah. You also met Daisy Ridley there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. I was, you sitting forgot here. about that. Yeah. <laughs> you made, the, you made the, he's met. you made the front Reddit. page of Reddit. I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Uh, and you didn't even tell us. I scrolled through Reddit and I was like, that's Zach. Because you saw it the <laughs> next day. You, I didn't even have a chance to tell you about it yet. You saw it the next day. Um, Why was you it didn't on even the remember front, it. front page of Reddit again? I just got enough upvotes. Everyone was like, this is cool. Upvote. And then it gets mm. to the front page. I think it just, there was a lot of, it sparked a lot of conversation. There's a huge conversation on whether we were attractive or not. <laughs> that's right. Someone, someone was like, man, how, like, how do people get to meet? Like, this never happens to me. And someone just said, like, be attractive. And then all <laughs> these people in were like, they're not even that attractive. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> so what was the final <laughs> consensus? Like, were you attractive? Yeah. I, I think it was pretty, uh, probably not. I think the majority was that we are our average. That's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. That would have been impossible for me to read. I would have, I would be so self-conscious reading that. Yeah. I how was really your good. few hours of stardom where you had like complete strangers talking about Apparently you? Apparently like, What was that like? I just thought it was funny. Okay. Yeah. I just thought it was really funny. Well, uh, <laughs> we got super sidetracked, but that's super cool. And Quentin Tarantino does do, uh, does have a knack for, for this type of, uh, like very old timey storytelling, but we have this title card and it, it lets us know that uh, this is going to be uh, Mia Wallace and Vincent out on the town. Yeah, that is the next sequence, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so Vincent is showing up to, he picks up some drugs first. You're right. I'm sorry. He goes and he picks up some heroin. Yeah. Uh, a lot. He just drops like $1,500 on heroin. And I don't know how much a gram of heroin is, but I, it doesn't sound like that much to me. Well, he got the friend discount. That's true. So probably even more. Wasn't and it $500 a gram? Too? I have no idea. I think so. Um, but it was for the crazy German stuff. Yeah. And then uh, that, that scene, he shoots up immediately. Like, I guess you buy drugs and immediately shoot up and then drive to take your boss's wife out on a date. Um, <laughs> that is pretty common. Yeah, but I hate watching How that How do you scene. know? If I had a dollar for every time I shot up heroin and then took my boss's wife out on a date. Oh, okay. You'd have like $4. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I that scene always makes me cringe watching the like the blood go back up into the syringe. Oh, same, oh, yeah. I hate I look away pretty much every time. Yeah. And I, it's still burned into my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, just can't stand the sight of blood. No, it's just the needle in the, I don't know. The blood mixing with the heroin and then getting reinjected. Yeah. Blood doesn't bother me that much, but heroin and blood definitely apparently. do. I don't, I don't know what heroin looks like. So you could tell me that's not what heroin looks like. And I'd be like, okay, probably, but <laughs> so he, he shoots up and he goes to pick me up. He drives. And, yeah. He drives <laughs> yeah. to go pick me up. And he meets Mia and they go to... She uh, seems so weird immediately, first meeting her. And she's, she's snorting cocaine the entire time. And she's just watching him on the security cameras. Uh, she's super weird. Yeah. Do you guys think that there's like some chemistry between them? Like, are, do they have the hots for each other? Well, I think it definitely feels like the awkwardness of a first date. It and definitely then does, yeah. Towards the end, it seems like it was a pretty good first date when we get to the end of this. I mean... 
and then bad. I'll say but, wait, which part? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I, like, 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 like towards it ends where, with a giant needle in the chest. Towards where they planned the end, and then, you know. Mm-hmm. And he even blows her a kiss at the end, I think, when yeah. she's walking away. Yeah, but that seemed more to me like, uh, man, we just, we just shared this we crazy. just shared this crazy experience. But anyway, they go to, uh, they go out uh, to this, like, very, like, 50s feeling diner. But, you know, just crazy packed you're eating in cars and everybody's dressed up like a dead celebrity <laughs> and uh this was the most and the expensive. cars are in the restaurant yeah 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 this is the most expensive thing in the movie they spent one hundred fifty thousand dollars making jack rabbit slims and i feel like for movies that which is feel, the diner yeah the diner i'm sorry it doesn't feel like that much money to be the most expensive thing they put into a movie. well i mean when you're dealing with a eight million dollar budget yeah that is quite a bit that's but, quite a bit um, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I just gotta say, I wish that Jack rabbit slims was a real place I could go. I, I would love to go to Jack rabbit. I don't know that so I would go because apparently milkshakes, yeah, <laughs> apparently you can do cocaine in the bathroom and nobody bats an eye. So I probably wouldn't go. I think that's true of every establishment in Los Angeles. Just Jake. LA in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I haven't spent much time there. Uh, the weirder part to me is that they have dance competitions for the patrons. I thought the weirdest part was that Steve Buscemi was their uh, waiter. That part's kind of <laughs> weird too. That was such a small I even part. asked Tyler. Yeah. I was like, is that Steve Buscemi? This was, was like, after oh yeah. Reservoir Dogs, right? So question, if the diamonds could be in the suitcase, could that be Mr. him Pink? from, yeah, maybe he went did, into hiding? Did he make it out of that movie alive? I I believe so. Okay. I think, I think he's like the only one. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it in like ten years, but my recollection my recollection is that he survives. Um, but yeah, like it seems like such a weird small part for Steve Buscemi to take, like what, like two years I think after Reservoir Dogs. He which, probably just did it for fun for for Quentin. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, they have they're being waited on, but who's he? Buddy Holly. Yeah, Buddy Holly. So, yeah, mm-hmm. and they enter in a dance competition, and they win with just the worst dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like the twist. The twist. Yeah. 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 That's what that I mean. That's the dance. Like. You that's, think that's the win? You think that should be the winning? Well, that's what the dance competition was, was doing the twist. Oh, it was? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I mean, that like, part. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no other dancing. Everyone else was doing the same thing. They just <laughs> Maybe you're right. Best at that. Well, why didn't we see everybody else so I could know that? <laughs> Is it a thing that you have to take your shoes off before you do that dance? Because they both take their shoes off. It, it, I mean, it was a popular thing to do with that dance because oh. like your you shoes have so much. too much friction. I thought maybe they started to do it with shoes and Tarantino's like, Mia, you better get those shoes off. <laughs> no. Because Tarantino has a foot thing. Wait, what? I you know. guys don't know this? You're the one that's met him. So. I'm going to be honest. This was only my second ever trip. Okay, yeah, no, for sure. Watch. Like, Quentin Tarantino, like, has, like, a foot fetish. It, like, it's a thing. If you go, there's always, like, like shots where there's so much focus on the feet. There's even a shot of Mia walking barefoot, and it's just her feet. Or, yeah. like, it, yeah, it's a thing. I'm it really is, yeah. Okay. Did they teach you that in your film classes? It's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I remember from my classes. Makes sense. <laughs> It was a test question. Yeah? No. Well, uh, they head back to uh, uh, the Wallace home, and uh, 
Mia mistakes uh, the heroin in Vince's pocket for cocaine. What a crazy thing to just find drugs in somebody's pocket and be like, I'm just going to assume that I know what this is and stuff it in me. Like <laughs> every time I'm, I'm like, what were you thinking? Well, she didn't really stuff it in her. She snorted it. Well, <laughs> It'd be weird if she it. just crammed it in her. <laughs> like that's a very different action. <laughs> But uh, she has an adverse reaction. I really have no idea if it was uh, snorting looking. cocaine would do that to you, but it snorting she, heroin or snort, snorting heroin would do no that idea. to you. Um, well, I was, Zach, I was watching this. Doctor? <laughs> I was actually watching this with a friend, and she's like, "Would that or like said something like, would that happen?" Or like she said something like, "What do you do in that situation?" And I was just like, "I don't know." You give her a shot. Aren't in the you a nurse? Heart. And I was like. Uh, this isn't my area of expertise. <laughs> Pediatric oncology. That w- I've never had to deal with this. <laughs> you haven't had like a patient ODing on heroin? And you I haven't. Would you give them a shot of adrenaline it? in the heart? I mean, probably. Okay. Well, uh, spoiler. So they uh, drive, uh, Vince drives uh, Mia to his drug dealer's house to deal with this problem. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's driving real fast and he just takes out the pillar on his patio with his car. <laughs> yeah. And he's not even mad about that. He's like, why are you bringing, which, I mean, I guess I'd be mad about both things, but I'd be more mad about the house. <laughs> like, you just ruined my house. Right. Uh, and he's like, you're bringing this OD and girl to my house. What's going on? Um, and, and they that, have a friend there who is so calm the entire time. Uh-huh. She's just chilling oh, on the couch yeah. and she doesn't leave the couch during the entire fiasco. Yeah. Well, and it was super funny because, uh, like, it seems like the drug dealer and his wife are in bed. Yeah. Like, when, when he shows up, like, they're asleep in bed and they have a friend over still. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it was well, a really weird situation. He's just sitting there eating... Um, He's some like fruity cereal something, something cereal. <laughs> I forget. It's some like old discontinued cereal that apparently Tarantino held held onto a box of, and he's put it in like a couple movies, like Reservoir Dogs and this. <laughs> Interesting. Um, like monster cereal, like Count Chocula was the same thing. Yeah. Huh. Um, but yeah, they have to give her a shot of adrenaline in the heart, and I I don't know if that works. I mean, it worked in this. Yeah. I I think that does work. I think that's a real thing. Um, and they actually they filmed this sequence. In reverse, so I don't know if this means so they they're feeling it in reverse if John Travolta is actually pulling the needle out, but I don't know if this means that he actually stuck her with the needle. Someone I probably doubt did. It. Yeah, that's it was probably just a fake needle. Uh, I I would doubt very strongly that uh, someone <laughs> got stabbed, stabbed in the heart. They stabbed Uma Thurman in the heart for <laughs> yeah, this movie through yeah. her breastplate. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have to get all the way, but uh, anyways, they. Well, just, then why film it in reverse? I don't understand. Yeah. Maybe, maybe sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's it's just easier to to film shots uh, in non chronological order, like for a variety of reasons. I mean, if with the force that Travolta takes down, even if it's a fake prop, that could kind of hurt. Yeah. So maybe that's it. <laughs> could be. Um, but yeah, she snaps right out of it immediately. I guess that's all you need to cure a drug overdose. Well, that is what happens when you get a shot of adrenaline to the heart. And she just leaves that needle in her heart. That doesn't seem like a great idea. She's like running around the room and just hanging out of her. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, she's in shock. Yeah. She's in shock. I mean, that's that all of that is, I can definitely say that's what happens when you get hit in the heart with adrenaline. Have you ever had an adrenaline rush? (laughs) I've never had an adrenaline shot to my heart. Well, but even an adrenaline rush is like a like a, a fraction of what an yeah. adrenaline shot to the heart. I've is. only had an adrenaline rush maybe like twice in my life, and the both times I got like super shaky and was like, and and yeah. and you're not like focusing on details yeah, at can't. all. Yeah, uh-uh. you can't. 
I mean, I don't, I don't know what goes on in your life, but um, a needle in my heart is a pretty big detail. <laughs> <laughs> We're spending a lot of time on. Well, this. here's the thing: um, is she, she? I'm sure she doesn't even feel it. When your adrenaline's going, you, your senses kind of die out. Like you're just kind of like um, crazy. And she woke up and she looked down and it's there. And it's like, it's not like she was there like, okay, like this is what's going to happen. She just wakes up and it's down. So she's probably afraid to take it out. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting no, like, this super is really important. Let's come back to this. This uh, is why I can't do drugs. This is really what I'm getting at. So I, 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 wa- I wanted to point out though, like I love, uh, I, I, I could do without this the entire sequence, honestly, but I do love Uma Thurman in in this uh, as Mia Wallace, and and it almost wasn't to be. Uh, Uma Thurman initially turned it down; she didn't want to uh, be uh, Mia Wallace. And Tarantino called her and read her the script over the phone, like basically like wore her down into agreeing to to do the role. But that's why she didn't even get paid for this movie. She just agreed if he would stop reading the script. <laughs> <laughs> if you stop calling me in the middle of yeah, the night, I'll do it for free. I'll do, I'll just do the movie. Uh, that's not a real fact. I made that up. So uh, they they have this uh, this this bonded moment, uh, Vincent and Mia, and he gets her home, and, and he basically says like, please don't tell Marcellus, and she says if if, I, if he ever finds out about this, I'm in more trouble than you are. So like, yeah, I'm good with not telling him. I'd like to think Marcellus did find out, and that's why he put Vincent at Butch's place, knowing that there was a higher chance he'd get shot. Mm. Marcellus was at Butch's place himself, though. No, he wasn't. Well, I mean, he was right. Like, he was getting donuts. I think presumably he was coming back, and that's why Vince wasn't, like, wide oh. the door just open. I just assumed Maybe that was even donuts. Marcellus's gun and not Vincent's. Yeah, I think it was Marcellus's gun yeah. and not Vincent's. Hmm. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, moving right along, uh, we get uh, sort of reintroduced to Butch. Uh, In a flashback, right? Fails to throw the fight. Oh, uh, Oh, I thought we did the oh, flashback. Oh, we have right the flashback, the watch, which is Scott's one of favorite my favorite parts. <laughs> Christopher Walken comes in to, oh, um, yeah. to a young Butch, and he gives him the most horrifying speech. <laughs> what are you uh, talking about? This is the most heart-wrenching, lovely thing I've ever heard. I mean, hearing Christopher Walken say that is hilarious. <laughs> hearing him say anything is hilarious. That's why one of the reasons I love Seven Psychopaths so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but about how he and... Butch's dad, who died in a, a POW camp in Korea or Vietnam or somewhere, um, had keistered a, a gold watch that was his great-grandfather's and his grandfather's. It was all of their war watches. And then he took it and he hit it himself. And then he brought it back to him and he's describing how it's been in all these people's butts. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just hands it to him. <laughs> and then he just snatches it so quick. <laughs> and then we cut away to Butch right before the fight. That, that's just comedy gold, that scene is, I think. Oh, it definitely is. Um, and then Butch does not throw the fight. He beats the other guy so bad that he kills him. And he comes running out and he meets... Esmeralda Villalobos, his uh, his a uh, t- t- cab driver, who is also just a crazy person. <laughs> she's like, "You killed a guy. What's it like?" <laughs> she's like, "So interested." And then he's like, "I don't." He doesn't seem like he really. He's like, "I don't know what it's like." You yeah, know, I didn't even know he was dead until you told me. Um, 
but he gets away and he goes back um, to his motel room, which I guess if you're a boxer. No, he, no, no. I mean, he had an apartment, but he was oh, planning right. on, he was planning he on was hiding like out. his hideout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was not going to throw the fight from the get go. And uh, so he had his girlfriend pack all their stuff and they were staying in a motel room because they were going to blow town. Yeah. And then the next morning he finds out that the watch did not get grabbed. She forgot to get the watch of all the things he freaks out. He yells at her and then apologizes for a long time and then is still very mad at, at about it. So I don't know why he apologized, uh, but Just he goes to calm her down. Yeah. Uh, and so he uh, decides the the watch doesn't get grabbed, and so he decides to to head home to to get the watch, knowing that the house is probably going to be being sat on uh, by by Marcellus Wallace's men. Uh, and so he walks in and um, grabs the watch and decides to make a pop tart. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he doesn't need to get out of there that quickly, I guess. <laughs> but he finds a gun. Yeah, uh, and then. Uh, Vincent walks out of the bathroom holding a book and he just blows him away, which Vincent walks out of the bathroom a few times in this movie, like three times. And every time something terrible has happened. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, heroin causes constipation. Yeah. Which is why he's always sitting on the pot for so long. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like he comes out of the bathroom. Mia's overdosed. He comes out of the bathroom. He gets blown away. <laughs> and then later in the movie, earlier chronologically, he comes out of the bathroom and he's in the middle of a standoff. Like, yeah. He should just hold it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he he gets killed and and uh, Butch decides to, to hightail it out of there. And in getting out of there, uh, he literally runs across Marcellus Wallace. And then runs over Marcellus Wallace. <laughs> and then Kathy Griffith was just in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I never noticed that. Funny yeah, little cameo. I, I asked, I was like, is that Kathy Griffin? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they, uh, Marcellus uh, ends up getting up and, and giving chase to Butch. Butch gets pretty banged up in the accident well, as well. He, he just shoots, he shoots at Butch and he just hits that lady and Butch does not even care that that lady took a shot for him. <laughs> he just starts running. <laughs> well, his life's still in immediate danger. Yeah. It's more of that adrenaline rush. Yeah. And so uh, he ends up trying to hide out in a uh, in a pawn shop. And, and uh, some stuff happens that I don't know if we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> this was such a weird part of the movie for me. I was like, what's happening? Yeah, what was going through your head watching this for the first time? Uh... I wasn't sure what was happening. So I really wasn't. Like it was all a surprise up until we were downstairs in the basement and things were starting to happen. I was like, all right. <laughs> you didn't know where it was going? Long story short. Not until we get to the basement. Long story short, uh they uh Vin uh I'm sorry, Butch and uh Marcellus, Marcellus get in a fight in this uh in this pawn shop and the pawn shop owner uh ends up, you know, Pulls Inc a shotgun on him. Pulls a shotgun, incapacitates both of them, and then we open back up in the basement, and he's called Zed, uh, this security guard, who both of them are are hillbilly, white supremacist, awful, just weird people. Bad yeah. guy from Blue This Streak. is not the first time that they've pulled a gun on somebody in their pawn shop. Or I guess his pawn shop. Yeah, yeah, because he, he says something to the effect when he calls Zed that's like got another one or something. Spider got another fly. Spider got like another that. fly, yeah. yeah. And uh, and so they uh, abuse Marcellus. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Yeah, and uh, but uh, Butch ends up 
being able to get away and decides to go back uh, to uh, to save Marcellus from from his fate. And uh, of all things, he grabs a few different things. He grabs a hammer and then he puts that down. He picks up a baseball bat and he puts that down. He picks up a chainsaw and he's kind of testing it out. And then he sees a samurai sword, uh, katana, and he pulls that and decides to go in and dispatch uh, uh, the 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 pawn shop owner with the with the katana. It was pretty epic. I mean, it was he he had good form. He looked so like the look on his eyes were so wide the whole time. He was oh yeah, like, oh yeah, just so deadly serious. It was hilarious. I mean, like Bruce Willis. I, I I like Bruce Willis. I don't think he's a great actor, but this is probably one of his best acting moments because Have you he seen the kid. <laughs> he really does do a great job of like of like portraying that like that that adrenaline that seriousness that yeah. intensity mm-hmm. and uh so in the process uh marcellus decides that uh that because he came back and saved him that they were good that uh that their the the debt was squared sort of a thing and uh so butch decides to head back home and blow town because he marcellus apparently can kick anybody out of la that he wants well, he's, he he's lost a his LA gangster. Privileges. Yeah, he's a gangster. And this is the moment when him and his girlfriend get on the motorcycle and ride away. This is the last part of the story. Chronologically. In chron- yeah, in chronological yeah. order. And we cut to uh, right after Samuel Jackson is interrogating those guys, right after they kill Brett, right? Yeah, because we cut. right to that again. And then this dude comes out of the bathroom with a big forty-four this, Magnum. Yeah. And he sh- unloads all six chambers and misses them entire or misses them or God intervenes. Yeah. Which it's interesting. Like when I was watching it this time and I was looking like there are bullet holes directly, directly behind them. Behind them. Yeah. Like, yeah. so it kind of lends some credence to that thought because like they seems like they should have gotten shot. And then, uh, he unloads them all. He misses them. And then they just both turn and shoot him. And then, um, they bring, their man inside out and they're just kind of getting away. Well, Samuel Jackson is saying, or Jules is saying it's time to retire. Like that was an act of God. I'm getting out of the game. Yeah. And Vincent refuses to acknowledge the miracle and they're like stuck on it. And he won't, <laughs> I love when in these like serious moments, it happens again later where like, he's just, uh, Jules will just stick on something. Yeah. I think it's really like later when they're, um, in the middle of, their like cleanup and he's yelling at him for getting blood all over the towels. Right. Uh, like that kind of, th- I think that that part was, I'm belaboring the point. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, <laughs> they take, uh, they take their man on the inside, yeah, Marvin. Marvin. They, they take Marvin. They're like, we're getting out of here. And in, in belaboring this point, uh, Vince inadvertently shoots Marvin in the head. Yeah. That was, like maybe the most surprised I've ever been watching a movie. Like <laughs> it's that. And then every time that a truck comes out of nowhere and hits somebody in a car, like sure. a whiplash, yeah, yeah. But that was just a little bit more. <laughs> uh, I was not ready for that. And it was just like, so like, it's like 45 minutes of this movie and it's over something that just didn't really need to happen. Like he just shot him by accident. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very unceremonious end for, for Marvin played by uh, the great Phil Lamar, who apparently nobody, nobody at this table knows who he is. Nope. Nope. Didn't watch Mad TV. Nope. Or Samurai Jack. I definitely did not watch Samurai Jack. Anyway, so they decide that they need to deal with this situation because there is blood everywhere in this car and all over them. And so they go to uh, some guy that Jules knows that that works with or for Marcellus. 
and uh, it turns out, I don't remember the character's name, but it's, it's Quentin Tarantino. Jimmy. Jimmy, that's right. And uh, he, uh, you know, begrudgingly decides to help them with the situation, but ultimately they call Marcellus, and Marcellus decides to send the wolf, played by Harvey Cattell. I think this might be my, this part with Brett, the Brett scene, and then this scene are like my two favorite parts. I love that, like, I love when he's on the phone with Marcellus, <laughs> and he's like, I think you need to appreciate what an explosive element this Bonnie situation is. And <laughs> this he's talking Bonnie about the situation, wife. yeah. And like that, that whole, like, that whole sequence, I find hilarious every time. Mm. Well, and uh, like, I just Samuel love. Samuel L is just hilarious. It, it, when they're cleaning the car, and he's like, why am I on brain duty? <laughs> and he kicks John Travolta to the, to the back of the car to clean. I, I love on that phone call though the wolf with the wolf and Marcellus uh, that uh, that he says uh, and I've like quoted this before to people like just out of context and I don't think I've ever had anyone like get it. Uh, he says uh, it takes thirty minutes to be there. I'll be there in ten. Yeah, and then it cuts and it says nine minutes and thirty seven seconds. Thirty seven seconds later, and he arrives. I just love that. Like it just kind of plays up once again. Like one of the most fun things that you can do in a movie is create mystery around a character, and they definitely do that around the wolf. Yeah, I I don't even know. He was at some event, but it was like eight in the morning. Well, and he, he I was like know. drinking. I think like champagne, like some fancy event. It was not a fancy event. They were selling women. Oh. Yeah, it was like really? a yeah, it was I like a that. it was like a like a um like a prostitution trafficking, trafficking like kind of a thing. I didn't get that either. Yeah. Why was that a black tie event? Well, it was a high end. Like I mean, like you've seen Taken, like Yeah, I have seen Taken. <laughs> yeah, I mean like like trafficking is often not all the time, but like seen. it's sometimes like a very like very wealthy people are are doing this and you know, it's like wrapped in this cloak of like high status to buy people. One, I think one of my favorite parts or ways that Quentin develops the wolf too is uh, because he's so polite. He shows up and he's so yes. polite and he's so helpful and he just kind of seems like, oh, he's just this like nice guy <laughs> is a fixer, you know? And then Vince just being stubborn Vince, he's kind of ordering, the wolf is ordering them around and Vince says like, a please would be nice. And then the wolf, like you can kind of see like he... He's got some brawn to him. You oh, know? yeah. And so. <laughs> yeah. Vince is so unlikable. He's so hard headed. And like, yeah. When he's like, like, this is a mess that is entirely of his creation. Exactly. <laughs> and he, he refuses to take any responsibility for it. <laughs> and he just so disrespectfully is washing his bloody hands on Jimmy's towels. Yeah, and then he's just, he's like, there's only so much abuse I can take. I'm like, you just killed a guy. <laughs> you just killed a guy. You spread his blood everywhere. Now, we, they all might go to jail because of you. Yeah, but the wolf, uh, like miraculously and with no shortage of humor, fixes this problem, and uh, and so then we see the the guys how they got into this this weird outfit uh, that we saw them earlier in the movie. In yeah. they take them out back and because uh, they're all bloody, so they have them strip, and then the wolf hoses them down, and they have to wear Jimmy's clothes. Yeah. And then that's when uh, the wolf says, what do they look like, Jimmy? They look like a, a bunch of dorks. look like a couple of dorks. <laughs> and it's like my favorite line. And then Jules is like, ha ha, they're your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I also love we kind of skated over. Uh, well, I'll, I'll come back to it uh, in our favorite lines segment. Um, and so now we blast out of there in the Acura, which I'm not a car guy, but it's an Acura, a really nice car. 
I think that car was. Okay. I mean, there have been Acuras over the years that are very high end. It's like, look, maybe it's just because cars in the 90s, I think a lot of times don't look great. I was like, that doesn't look like a great car, but he's like, don't mess up my Acura. Um, anyways. And so we, uh, they, they take care of the body and the car, the, the wolf does. And, and then they decide, you know, they've been at this for hours and they decide, let's go get some breakfast. And uh, they end up at the diner that we start the movie in. And, and I think actually I meant to say this at the beginning, but I wasn't sure if it was the right place. You can see them in the background in like the opening scene. You see mm-hmm. them walking around mm-hmm. dressed all weird. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you kind of know it's coming if you were paying attention. If you were paying attention. Um, yeah. You see them there. And uh, so Bunny, uh, Honey Bunny and uh, and Pumpkin hold up the, the, uh, the diner. The diner. And Vince, like you mentioned earlier, Jake is in the bathroom at the time, and uh, they come up for uh, they come to Marcellus to or to, I'm sorry to Jules to take uh, the wallet, and he asks what's in the briefcase, and there's this huge standoff then between uh, Jules and Pumpkin and Honey Bunny and Vince, and ultimately uh, once again Sam Jackson delivers some incredible monologue. Oh yeah, he he does it again like he does the 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 bible quote again and he adds more onto it and it's well he says at the end he says uh i used to read this and think that uh i was the the uh vengeance sort of a thing and and you were the sheep but you know maybe i'm the bad guy it's like i'm the tyranny of evil men yeah that yeah way. like oh it's great but even like before that they're just having that conversation over their their breakfast and about the pig being the filthy animal and whatnot i love that part when uh, when he's like i'm just gonna wander the earth like kane and kung fu Um, (laughs) i love and then they just cut away that doesn't do anything but i still one of my when i think about the movie i think about them talking yeah in that at the diner yeah yeah uh and uh we see once again the briefcase open and and tim roth asks is that what i think it is and he says yeah and closes the briefcase and but in any event uh the uh honey bunny and pumpkin get out of there and uh we end the movie yeah they had actually funny when they're holding up and they're taking the wallets and he pulls out samuel jackson's wallet that was just quentin tarantino's wallet oh really he just had that like that was just i don't know why he had it it was badass mother effer yeah 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 Um, but and so I just, I don't know why Tarantino would buy something like that in all seriousness, but I mean, that seems very much like Quentin Tarantino. One of the things that we didn't talk about is that Vincent Vega's car, the one that they clean out, uh, was actually Quentin Tarantino's personal vehicle. Yeah. And it got stolen during the production of the movie. (laughs) Um, and it was recovered later in 2013. Some kids were stripping it and trying to sell it for parts and a cop arrested them and found out it was Quentin Tarantino's car. Oh, so that many years later. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Also, did you guys see, I feel like this is probably something that I forget every time I watch it, and then when I rewatch it, I see in every time point out, but did you guys see that Danny DeVito was a producer in this movie? No. Yeah. Yeah. I do love Danny DeVito. I love him too. Well, uh... Let's uh, let's jump into uh, favorite parts, favorite lines. Um, we've we've listed a few of these things, but does anyone have anything that sticks out to them? Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. The whole just the whole yeah. monologue. Best scene. <laughs> I I agree. It's it's a great scene. I think my favorite uh, one of my favorite lines is uh, when uh, Jimmy and the wolf sit down 
and Jimmy hands the wolf all the the blankets and and sheets and he's like this is uh this particular blanket uh my wife's uh Bonnie's uh, aunt and uncle uh bought this for us and they've passed away and it's irreplaceable and he says uh well do you know uncle Marcellus he will buy you a whole bedroom set <laughs> just, were they were they millionaires your uncle Marcellus is. Yeah, that's right. Your uncle Marcellus is. That's that's exactly the line. I I love. I just loved. I love Harvey Keitel so much. I love him in this movie, and I love that particular exchange. It just makes me laugh every time. I don't think I have anything noteworthy that we haven't already talked about. Just all my favorite parts are anything with Jules. I think just the conversations Jules and Vince together have. Yeah, are collectively all my favorite lines. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Like, my favorite part is definitely um, the beginning right before they shoot Brett. Um, <laughs> like, that's uh, that's my favorite part. I don't know. There's nothing that we haven't hit. Yeah. Like, I just, I agree with Zach. Like, I just love listening to them talk. I could listen to that for two hours. So, uh, is there any recasting you guys would do for this movie? Oh, I didn't even think about that for this one. Shoot. Uh, I I would love, I mean, I, I think John Travolta does fine in this. Yeah. Um, but I would love to see, uh, like someone like, uh, like this might sound crazy, but I'd love to see someone like James Franco, like just a really zany actor play, uh, Vince. I think it would just be hilarious. It's funny. Cause I was trying to think, it's like, I can't picture anyone wearing that ridiculous wig <laughs> yeah. and like me taking them seriously, but we've kind of already seen James Franco do that. Yeah. In the disaster artist. Yeah. So it could work. I haven't seen that movie. Well, then Tyler and I have seen that. Yeah. We can picture it. My, I haven't seen it. I, I mean, I think Samuel Jackson is the perfect Jules. And, and he's he timeless. Could never be replaced. He could do it again now. Yeah. He could. He like, really could. Yeah. He looks so young that, that didn't they cast a woman who was younger than him to play his mother in a movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Which in um, the, the Shyamalan movie that just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, yeah. In Glass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my pick for recasting Jules, if it had to be done, I feel like I could see Michael B. Jordan maybe doing that. Okay. I might be able to see that. It would feel a little different, but I think he could do it. I feel like for he's sure it very different. Like I love him. I think he's very charismatic. I think he's too serious. Like, yeah. I can't see and maybe being, polished. Like yeah. he's a little too polished, but this could be the movie that breaks that trend for him. Could be, could be. I'm I'm not opposed to it. Maybe we could have a, a James Franco, Michael B. Michael Jordan, B. Jordan, Vince Jules. Yeah. Maybe they maybe we can get them from this to just even like on their phones, social distance, you know, in their own homes to just read some lines. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Do, I don't have their numbers. Do you? No, but I'll tweet at them. Okay. I mean, that's how people talk to people nowadays. So they listen to the podcast. They're gonna hear it. Yeah. Oh, they're one of the thirty. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Scott, would you do any, uh, I can't wait to hear this. Would you do any recasting? Uh, recast, no. I would take um, Die Hard out of the movie. What's his name again? <laughs> Die Hard? <laughs> Bruce Willis? Yeah, I'd take. I'd you take, got Bruce Willis' his name? Die Hard yeah. out of the movie. I would take uh, all of his scenes and cut them, and then I would make it into a musical. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I don't disagree with you about the one of those two things. You're my least favorite. The friend. audience can decide <laughs> which. But I also wouldn't recast. Could you imagine seeing um, <laughs> John Travolta sing? Well, John Travolta. Yeah, I could on that one. Was, but 
Because he's, he's done it before. He's done it before. <laughs> what? Did, oh, I did Grease. Watch, I did not watch Grease. Please don't make me watch or it. Or Hairspray. I don't watch Hairspray. Oh, well, he's sang in multiple movies. All right, let's get uh, let's wrap this off too. I think. I'm stoked. <laughs> Hashtag spoilers. Let's uh, let's jump into the uh, rotten rating for this. Uh, I took the liberty, Jake, of uh, hacking R&R. into your uh, hacking into your servers and spinning them up earlier. So it's impossible. <laughs> that must be somebody else's server. <laughs> <laughs> this might not be our patented uh, rotten potatoes. This could be one of our tots uh, trying to to it's rip us off. And, yeah, yeah. But uh, Zach, what did you think of uh, Pulp Fiction? What would you give it? I give this movie a seven point nine uh, Royales with cheese. Scott, seven point seven keistered watches. Jake. I'm going to give it uh, eight and a half big cojones burgers. <laughs> and I'm going to give this uh, 7.9 uh, mysterious briefcases. All right. I didn't, I didn't do them. I didn't run my servers in my head. I don't know what this is going to come out to. <laughs> All right. Well, this came out to an 80% on uh, rotten potatoes. Uh, not bad uh, when you, you know, compare it to the 75% that we gave to you know, 500 days of summer or the 75% we gave to the good, the bad and the ugly or, uh, on and on and on. We certainly have rated movies lower than this. Yeah. Uh, you know, it helps when you don't have Scott tanking things <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> voting in line. Uh, well, uh, it's pretty in line with, uh, with what the other guys, uh, gave it for the most part. Once again, IMDB gave this an 8.1 and, uh, the other guys gave this a 91%. So mm. we were just under them, which is, I think, par for the course. We're usually more in line with IMDb than we are with the other guys, which is why we need to exist. To agree with IMDb? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we need to be like one of the two big ones. Just be like, IMDb, you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> All right. Well, Zach, do you have any uh, final thoughts for us? Actually, I think Scott was going to mention something. Oh, Scott, what would you, what'd you have? Oh yeah, next week. 